Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Good to see everyone here at First Baptist Church, Barberville, this morning. Um, y'all got me this morning. Pastor Tyler's doing his National Guard duty this weekend, so be in prayer for him and safe travels on the way on his way back home. Uh, he he sure does miss the church, and he misses being being here with you all. And we miss him. I'll tell you, it's been a busy, busy week this week at church. Um, how in the world he done it by himself for so long, I, I'll, ne- I'll never know because it is, a, uh, it is a big undertaking. It really is when you, when you take the consideration of how big our church is, um, how big of an impact we have in our community, and how involved we are in so many different ministries. It, it takes a village. It really does. It goes beyond pastors. It goes, it goes to you all because we, we could not do the things that we do without the congregation and all those people who are who are working in our community. So be in prayer for Pastor Tyler, and and again, safe travels for him back home. But it's always nice to get up here behind the pulpit and to preach. God's placed something in my heart to preach, and and I love to preach, and that's kind of funny because I'm I'm not the first guy to stand up and speak. I really don't like speaking in public. I really don't like speaking in front of an audience. I was always a, a, a shy type of kid, and so this is outside of my comfort zone. So it's kind of strange that God would place that in my heart that he wants me, wants me to speak and wants me to proclaim his word and he wants me to, to get up here and preach. But I'm so excited to do it. And this week is, has been no different than any other. Uh, when God, God gives you that opportunity and he places that in front of you, it's like he, he kind of sets you aside and he kind of takes care of his business. And, and as much as I want to meddle in it and I want to put my hands in it, God always reminds me that this is his word and his will, not mine. So I try to humble myself to just be obedient and just to follow through. And as we continue through the Word, our journey through the Word this year, we've seen a a lot of things happen so far in the Old Testament. And Pastor Tyler preached last week. We we talked about King David. We talked about some of the decisions that he had to make and some of the, the decisions that he didn't make. But we all, we all are familiar with David in this story. And one of the most peculiar things about David in his story is it's one of the most detailed in the Bible. You know, David's character is developed from beginning to end, from the time he was a young youth until he was a, an old king. And it goes into very extensive detail about who King David was. And the Bible doesn't always work like that. A lot of times we get just brief snippets of people and their, and their personalities or the things that they've done. But they do a really good job of describing King David to us. And I I think that's intentional. I think it's on purpose because as I was reading and studying this week, David's probably one of the most relatable characters in the Bible because David loves Jesus. He loves God. And say, how in the world can he love Jesus? Jesus hasn't even came yet. But he loves the idea of Jesus and he loves... He loves his God who has promised to always provide and always give everything that he has ever needed. And he's done that throughout David's life. He's provided David with everything. But we have seen David fall many times, just like you and I. He has, he has things, he has 
personality traits. He has quirks to him. He has tendencies where he falls away from God and he falls into sin. But one thing as we read through Psalms that we can never, never deny is David's love for the Lord. Because even though he's sinning and he's falling away from God and he's doing these things he knows he shouldn't do, he pours out that his heart is broken because he just keeps sinning. This flesh just keeps causing him to sin. So his love for God is never, is never at question here. But we see his life play out, and, and today we're going to be focusing on 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles available, or you can read up here off the screen, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says, as the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon. As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong and be a man, and keep your obligation to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. If your sons take care to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and all their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. You also know that Joab, son of, son of Zerah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of Israel's army, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He murdered them in a time of peace to avenge blood and shed war. He spilled that blood on his own waistband and on the sandals of his feet. Act according to your wisdom. And do not let his gray head descend to Sheol in peace. Show kindness to the sons of Bar Barzillai and the Giladite. And let them be among those who eat at your table. Because they supported me when I fled from your brother Absalom. Keep an eye on Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite, from Behirim. Who is with you? He uttered malices, curses against me the day I went to Mahanam. But he came down to meet, meet me at the Jordan River, and I swore to him by the Lord, I will never kill you with the sword. So don't let him go unpunished. For you are a wise man. You know how to deal with him to bring his gray head down to Sheol with blood. And then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. And the length of time David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 30 years in Jerusalem. And Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingship was firmly established. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you again for yet another day. Lord, you have filled this church with sweet spirit this morning as we sang, Oh, what a beautiful name. And God, we are so thankful for that beautiful name of Jesus that have came and saved so many wretches like, like myself. And God, I just ask, Lord, that you speak through this sermon this morning. You speak through your word. You speak through your people, God, that we are forever changed and we are never the same. As we speak about a charge to the youth and we talk about David speaking to Solomon, a father talking to his son, God, I just pray, Lord, that you break our hearts. That you break our hearts to the point, God, that it has to be rebuilt has to be rebuilt in the name of Jesus. Lord, again, I ask that your presence be here with us, that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit be amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So here we are in the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings is a favorite of mine because it's a history book. It's a historical document that gives us a lot of information that, that we're going to need moving forward. The book of Kings, it's, uh, it's really like a history book. It's really how it's written. It's the way it reads. It's describing the time of King David and the end of his reign into the separation of Israel. Historically, Jewish tradition gives the authorship to Jeremiah, although we're never really told who's the author of the book because it never announces it inside the writings. But historically, Jewish people feel like that it is Jeremiah who is the author. As we dive into it, we start to see the life of David. It's starting to come to an end. He's accomplished a lot. He's done a lot. His character has developed. We kind of see who David is, and we see that he has a lot of regrets. David's done a lot of things that he wish he hasn't. Yet, he has always, always maintained the one true God. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, we come upon a dying David. We come upon a dying David who has already given his farewell to the people of Israel. Now he's having an intimate conversation with his son Solomon. Solomon's getting ready, getting ready, his life's getting ready to change. He's getting ready to take a responsibility that he could never imagine. He sat afar and watched his father rule for all these years, but now, as a young, young man, he's getting ready to take the reins. And he's preceding his father on the throne. And this week, throughout my study and throughout my reading and, and praying about it, it, it never, it never. It never hit me how, how close to home this story is. Here we have, if you can picture for a moment, here we have a father who, who has lived his life and is on his deathbed, who has many accomplishments under his name, but he also has many regrets. And he's speaking to his son. His son that, that he has raised and he has watched grow up, and he has tried to teach him the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord. And he's given him his final commission. He's given him his final charge. He's given him his final instructions. And David was sharing the wisdom to Solomon. The most important thing that David speaks of here is his love for God. And he tells him, put God first in all the things that you do. You know, I'm, I'm 39 this year. So it's my last year in my 30s. I'll be turning 40 in October and the reality of youth has never hit me so hard because my bones are starting to hurt. My hair is almost completely gone. I can't snack like I used to snack without it showing. I can't, I won't say run, but I don't even try to run. I just walk kind of briskly and I still get out of breath. So it's the reality of all this is starting to set in with me, that, that I'm, I'm not that youth anymore. I'm not that young guy. And I was always used to being the youngest, the youngest guy, the youngest guy on the ball team, the youngest guy at school, the youngest guy in this crowd, because I always hung out with a little bit older people. But I'm no longer that young guy. I'm no longer the one, the one that, 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 that has this youthfulness. And it's starting to pass, and that hit me this week as I was reading through this scripture, that youth, youth's just here for a second. It's just here for a second, and then it's gone. And before you know it, you wake up, and you're 39, and you have a family, and you have a mortgage, and you have a job, 
And as I told one of our youth earlier this week, you have to pay taxes. I'm going to share this with y'all. You all don't believe this, but a lot of our youth don't know what taxes are until they get a job. And then we had a youth tell us uh, this week that he was quit working. He just quit altogether because it was unfair. So, well, you know, welcome, welcome to the real world. He said, can you believe I made $1,000 and only brought home a little over 500 I said, yes, I can. I can absolutely believe that. But youth comes for a moment and then, and then it's gone. And I think about that a lot, the older that I get. And I think about this scenario and this situation. See, my dad passed away when I was 21, so I, I feel like I was still a kid. There was a lot I didn't know, and there was a lot that I, that I, I wish I'd known but when I was 21, he, he tried to pour a lot into me. My dad was the type of man who, who had a lot of wisdom, especially for a man who had an eighth-grade education. He had a lot of wisdom, and he knew a lot. I watched him one time learn the Pythagorean theorem just to build a set of steps. And I was like, where, why? Why would you do that? But he was that type of man. He had a lot of wisdom, even though he didn't have formal education. He had a lot of worldly wisdom that he would, he would love to share and a lot of times he would try to pour into me and my brother, and as a typical uh, teenager or, or in your young 20s, you, you just don't listen. you got other things going on. You, you've got things that you, you've got to do that you've got to take care of that seem like they're more important. And again, he, he was very wise, and he tried to pour into me, and he tried to tell me all these things that, that I wish I, wish I would have listened closer to. But all the wisdom he tried to share with me, I, honestly, I probably retained about 25% of it. And that's probably being generous. 25% of everything that he told me, I probably retained and applied in my life. And the things that he had experienced and he had learned, it seemed like a waste of time to me. They were just old folk tales. They were just old stories from an old person. My dad wasn't very old when he passed away. He was 45 when he passed away. But for a 21-year-old, 45's old. A 39-year-old, 45 doesn't seem that old anymore. But I wish I would have retained all this information that he was trying to tell me. But at the right age of 39, I look back and see everything that I didn't, that I didn't take in as a sponge. They were priceless. And I just let those things go. Things like look a man in the eyes when you talk to him. Things like be true to your word. Always tell the truth. Things like never be afraid of hard work. Be the first one to pick up the shovel. Things like take care of your family and be the example for them that they must be. Things that didn't seem important to a 21-year-old, you know what? They're pretty important to a 39-year-old. A 39-year-old with two daughters, a husband, a father, a pastor... And David here, David's sitting with Solomon and he's pouring into Solomon. And he's giving Solomon this wisdom. And he's giving him all this, all this wonderful wisdom. And he's giving him advice. He's giving him what you should have done. What David should have done. He's giving all that to Solomon. Don't make the mistakes that I made. Don't walk the path that I walk. You can be better. You can do more. And the title of today's service is A Charge to the Youth. 
And a lot of times over, over at youth and stuff, we'll have a lot of Bible study. I do a preaching, a preaching the way that they don't know it's preaching. But this morning, I can be very intentional to the youth and tell you that I am preaching to you this morning. And I pray that you are smarter than I was when I was your age. That for the next 15 to 20 minutes, you at least adhere some of this. And it doesn't come straight from me. It comes from generations and generations before me who have decided that when I started to listen, that they would pour into me. David's given this advice. Advice we can all live by. And the first thing that David tells Solomon, the first thing that he tells him is to love God. Love God before anything and everything, love God. Put God first in your life. Put Him in the middle. Build the foundation upon the God of creation. Do that first. And although, although David had his faults and he sinned against God, his heart, his heart was always known. Again, we read throughout the Psalms of how his heart breaks every time that he makes a mistake. Every time he sins against God, we see his heart just shatter. And we see this burden that David lives with because of the decisions that he makes. So there's no doubt that David put God first and foremost in his life. And he was telling his children to do the same. Even though there were times where he wasn't walking the walk that he should have been walking David was wise enough to know that he, he needed to surround his children with God. And I think that's a lesson for us today. The most important thing that you can do as a parent, the most important thing you can do as a, as a child is to put God first. Come to church. A lot of times we blame it on the parents. Oh, you're not bringing them. You're not doing this. But I'm going to put a little blame on the kids. So I'm going to take a little burden off of the parents today. And I'm going to put this on the children. Because if you wanted to come to church, your parents wouldn't have to coax you into it. They wouldn't have to bribe you into it. They wouldn't have to force you into it. And for heaven forbid, they wouldn't have to punish you into coming to church. You see, if you put God first and foremost, that's the foundation you want to build from. If you really put it, put it in context of how many hours and how many minutes you spend in a day in church compared to everything else you do, it's mind-blowing. An hour a week, two hours a week that you're in church, that you're, you're reading God's Word, you're hearing God's Word compared to, to the 40, 50 hours of work you're putting in. So all the ball practices, all the travel balls, all the other things, the cheerleading, all these other extracurriculars that we have compared to building our foundation on God, it's astronomical. If we really looked at it closely and we looked at it with, with clear eyes, it would scare us to death. So David's telling him here, he's telling him, put God first. I don't care what else you do. I don't care what kind of ruler you, you decide to be. Put God first in your life. And he urges Solomon to walk in the way of the Lord in which Moses had spoke of. Keeping him first in his life and God will bless him for generations. He said, if you do these things first, you're going to see a remarkable change in your life. And there's no doubt in my mind there's no doubt in David's mind when he's speaking this to Solomon that God is going to fulfill his promise. But before we know, before we can really know who we are, though, we must know who God is. I hear that all the time. I, I just really don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what college I'm going to go to. I don't know what job I'm going to get. I don't know what career. I don't know who I am, Pastor. Well, the first step in knowing who you are is knowing who God is. 
Because, see, I really believe you cannot know who you are if you do not know God. And for all those people who are out there who don't know God and don't believe in God, they don't know who they are. They're a facade. They're, they're a, a copy. They're, they're an image that has been created by the world. They're not who they are. We live in a world of misidentities and misinterpretations when there is only one interpretation and only one identity, and that is in the image of God. That is the truth that he speaks, and that's what David lays down here, and that's what he's telling Saul, Solomon. He's saying, put God first, and everything else will work its way out. Again, we cannot know love without knowing God. We must accept his love first before we can love others. That's something else I hear from young people all the time who are in love, young couples who are in love. Well, here's the reality, guys. If you don't know God, you don't know love. And what you're, whatever you're telling that boy or that girl that you love them, if you don't know who God is, you're telling them a lie. Because you don't know what love is. You don't know what sacrifice is. You don't know what that means. To give your life for another person, that is love. Holding hands in the classroom, that's not love. Snapping each other on Snapchat, that's not love. Wearing your boyfriend's jacket, that's not love. You need to know God before you know anything else. If you don't know God, you cannot love that girl. You cannot love that boy. We must know God first. And when we find love, when we find this love of God, it changes your life. Something miraculous happens. God surrounds us with people that help mold and direct us that encourage us, that lift us, that, that hold us accountable. And that's a scary word that a lot of us don't like, to, don't like to hear, is accountability. But if you truly love me, you will hold me accountable. You will not let me skate by in the sins that I live in. You as a church, you as my brothers and sisters, you will hold me accountable. And there's a way to do that. We surround ourselves with these people after we find the, the love of God. He puts us in youth groups. God surrounds us in a wonderful church, a community of brothers and sisters in D groups. So many ways he, he puts people in our life to fulfill us, to help us to build this community who is willing to pour into us. But it doesn't matter how much God or the people speak to us if we aren't willing to listen. Again, going back to my, when I was in my early 20s, I wasn't willing to listen. I had everything figured out. I knew everything. I knew how to do everything. I didn't need somebody telling me. I wasn't willing to listen. I went a long time in my life without listening, thinking that I could do it on my own, that I had a better path than everybody else, that I was going to reinvent the wheel and I was going to do it my way. And even after I got saved and got involved in church, I started, started I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it a way nobody has ever seen before. How arrogant was I? I was extremely arrogant to think that. To think that I could do anything. But God will humble you. And he will bring you to, his knee, to your knees. And it doesn't, again, matter how much God speaks to you or your church speaks to you if you aren't willing to listen. And there's a wise man that told me, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
Listen intently. Listen intently. And we see that. As David reminds Solomon of the, of the days past, David was a soldier. He was a warrior. He had conquered many, many nations and many people. So he knew the importance of the military information he was getting ready to pass down to Solomon. And all those who had wronged Israel in the name of the Lord, the ones who had allied, the ones who had been against them, the ones who he had trusted, all this valuable information he was passing down to Solomon. Now Solomon, we know, is the wisest man to ever live. So I'm sure he was a lot wiser than me. But if David was talking to a 14, 15-year-old Shane, it would have went through one ear and out the other. Until I found myself in that battle looking on both sides saying, who's my ally and who's my enemy? Who do I trust and who, who, who do I scorn? Who do I turn from and who, to, who do I run to? It's because a lot of times we don't listen. Man, if, you, if you're a, a father of a teenager or a mother of a teenager, you know that this morning. You know that this morning because they'll get one out of every ten words. If you're lucky. David was sharing this wisdom with his son because it was going to benefit him. It was going to lead him. It was going to direct him. It was for his good. What we, I say we, I guess I can't say we anymore. What you, as the youth, you as the youth, the younger people, the next generation, the one that this world is trying to crush beneath its hands, what you need to do is find a little humility and recognize that if someone is talking to you that has experienced the things that they, they feel like you're going to experience, listen. Listen, they're not telling you because they want to. They're not telling you because they have to. They're telling you because they have lived this. And they have seen these things. And they have walked that walk. And they know what's going to happen. And as hard as it is sometimes to listen, because I know us old people, I'll call this us old people. Us old people sometimes can get long-winded and we can take the long way around the story because we want to tell you all the details about it. But it's important that you listen because these details may save your life, may change your life, may change someone else's life. So the wisdom of our elders, the wisdom of the adults that are investing into you is invaluable. I oftentimes wish I could go back. I wish I could go back and sit down with my dad at 21 years old and just say, tell me everything you know with a pen and paper, and write it all down. Tell me how to raise a family. Tell me how, how to fix a car. Tell me how to fix my house. Tell me how to pay my bills. Tell me all these things that at 17, 18, 19 years old, you think you don't need to know? Well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you need your dad the most when you become a father yourself. Because there's going to be a lot of things you don't know. There's going to be a lot of things that he told you in your early 20s that are going to come out and they're going to play. They're going to come out and they're going to be relevant in your life. Don't give them everything that they want. Hold them accountable. Love them with a firm hand. Be true to who you are. All these things that we dismiss and we forget about, 
Hold on to it, youth. Listen to it. Hide it in your heart. Listen intently. Because wisdom comes from those who have experienced it. And those who have experienced it, they will tell you, there's a time to follow, and there's a time to lead. We all experience these seasons in our life when we're called to follow But I also believe God puts us all in positions and seasons to lead. To lead the community. To lead in our our occupation. To lead in our schools. To lead in our church. To lead in our families. And to lead others to Christ. And when we lead, it's important to lead courageously. We must lead courageously because I'll tell you, it's a lonely, lonely position at the front. A lot of times you find yourself by yourself. There's no one to turn to. There's no dad at 21 years old that you can turn around and ask how to do this or, or what should I do or the best direction to go and you find yourself in a position of unknown. So you must be courageous. And David was passing the torch and all he could do now for Solomon, the only thing he could do for his, for his baby boy was to share his wisdom. And Solomon was young. He was inexperienced. We know he was smart and he had wisdom, but sometimes experience, experience means a whole lot. And I'm sure David was scared for him, not because his faith in the Lord had wavered, but that's his baby boy. And he's getting in a position that David had been in, and he knows the scrutiny, and he knows the temptations. He knows the fall is far. So he's telling Solomon to be courageous. Be courageous in your leadership. Life can be scary. And it's full of obstacles. It's full of temptations. There's not a person in here today that is, that is exempt from these temptations. So don't feel like you're alone, youth. Don't feel like you're alone in these things that you're experiencing because you're not. Push forward. Again, building that foundation in God and putting your faith in the one who has created the rivers that you must cross. Put your faith in him and him alone. Be courageous not in yourself that you can do it, but be courageous in that he has done it, doing it, and will continue to do it. And finally, this morning, my charge to the youth is to leave a legacy Leave a legacy. Now, although David had his faults and he ensured God in his, in his life and he, he put him at, center, at the center of his life as well as his family, David continued to push forward. He continued to show God in his family. He continued, if they had a church, to take them to church, to take them to youth group, to bring them Wednesday nights, to have Bible study at home or just in the car as conversation. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about this? David had created a legacy that would never fall. Because of this, Solomon was able to lead in a godly way. Something God said he would do and that he would bless. We look at Solomon's life later on. Solomon was able to build a temple. Something that David was not able to do. 
because of the man he had become. But because of the legacy David had created and the investment he had put in his son, Solomon was able to do greater things than his father ever imagined. So it's so important, this legacy that we leave. The impact you have, it's not the things you accumulate, it's not your accomplishments, it's not the awards you have or the fame you possess. The legacy you leave behind is setting in God and God alone. It's the greatest legacy you can have to your children is if they know Jesus Christ. We've been fortunate enough here at this church to see a lot of those legacies fulfilled and completed. We've seen it last weekend. We've seen Audrey get baptized up here in this baptismal or this baptistry. And that was the completion of a legacy. Tyler and Caitlin had poured into her and poured into Easton so much that their legacy is complete that it's going to follow and it's going to continue in their lives and it's going to continue in other lives. Your legacy is greater than anything that you leave behind. And always, always, this is for the youth and for the adults alike, always be preparing your legacy to precede you. Always be pouring into them. Disciples making disciples. Find someone to take your job. And that's a humbling thing to do, especially in the church setting. But you should always be pouring into someone that's going to take your position. Because I'll just be honest with you, at some point in time, this youth guy is no longer going to be relevant to the youth. And there's going to have to be someone step in my shoes and step in my place and take that and continue that legacy of God. So I have two choices. I, I can bottle it up and keep it to myself and just hope the next guy fails. That way it makes me look better. Or I can find someone that I see God has pulled out and pointed out and pour into them everything that I know, all the wisdom that has been passed on to me, and I can prepare them for that day of my irrelevance. Because I promise you, church, there'll be a day where you find yourself irrelevant. Not that God can't use you in another position, but the position you are in, God has finished. And I don't believe in leaving empty holes in the church. I believe we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves to find someone to pour into and say, hey, you're going to be, you're going to be here someday. Always be preparing your legacy. As we finish up this evening, or this morning, finish up this morning, I want to speak specifically to the youth. So if you've not heard anything I've said this morning, Anything at all. If you've been napping, you've been asleep, the next three minutes, three minutes, that's all I ask from you. Three minutes. I ask you to be a legacy, not a liability. Be a leader, like-minded, loyal. Seek the lion, but be the lamb. Be lively. Be like the lily in the valley. Be logical. Be lovable. And be lowly. Be long-suffering, for humility is the answer to our faith. Be lucid in your faith so others may believe. Be ever looking to draw closer to the Father. Be the light. 
Be the light in a dark world. And finally, believe. Believe in him and you shall be saved. If y'all will, stand with me at this time and we'll have a time of invitation. And I ask you all, I ask you all, specifically our youth, to, to seek inside of your heart. Seek inside of your heart and know that you know that you know who Jesus Christ is. Know that moving forward, there's going to be a lot of obstacles and there's going to be a lot of opposition and things aren't going to go exactly how you think that they should. But if you build your foundation upon Jesus Christ, there's no doubt in my mind you will be successful in whatever God has in store for you. And if you live your life accordingly to Jesus Christ, the things you will do will be unimaginable. It won't necessarily be your plan, but His plan and His will is greater. Be humble. Be kind. Speak to the one who nobody speaks to. Talk to the one who needs talking to. Love the one who they say is unlovable. You do all these things in your life and you put God first. Much like David, I feel like everything else will come to order. And God's will will be done. This altar is open this morning. If you need to make a decision in your life, and you're getting ready to go to college and you've just graduated and, and, and you're getting ready to start this new, new adventure, don't start it alone. Don't start it on the wrong foot. Set that foundation today. And I promise you, God will be with you every step. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.